and welcome to the Unwelcome Podcast. I am your host, Mark Owsley, and I am joined today by the Secretary of Education from Oklahoma, the Ryan Walters. And uh, so glad to have you here, Ryan. Thanks for coming on. Well, thank you for having me and thank you for the work you're doing. I, I love the podcast. I, I love the deep dive that you're able to do to highlight the all the issues that are going on with diversity, equity, inclusion, critical race theory, all of the above. So, and, and I appreciate the work you're doing. Thanks, Ryan. And, and uh, we've, we've worked together a little bit behind the scenes and I've tried to offer some advice and, and Ryan has been just talking to my audience for those who may be watching outside of Oklahoma. Ryan has been on the forefront of the outward battle against the, the woke indoctrination of our kids in, in Oklahoma public schools and uh, and is really moving the fight forward at, a, at an official level. And so that's why I wanted to have him on today. But I would be remiss considering the news that just came out this morning if I didn't mention Roe versus Wade. I want to, I want to, the uh, U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe, ending the constitutional right for an abortion at, as a 6-3 ruling. Um, as Governor Stitt just recently uh, pretty much signed a bill that banned all abortions uh, in, in Oklahoma. And so that's a, it's a big deal here. It's something that has been a 60-year fight. So I just wanted to get uh, your thoughts on that. What, what do you have to say about the overturning of Roe this morning? You know, it, it is a, an amazing day um, to be an American. You know, this is a fight that conservatives have been fighting for decades now. The atrocity of allowing um, and forcing states to allow uh, the murder of innocent lives is, is unbelievable that we allow that to happen in this country. And, and, you know, and so I am, I am very thankful this morning. Prayers have been answered for this to finally um, be done away with. And, you know, and to me, we go back to so much of the broader discussions that, that you and I have, which is how the left uses words and phrases and manipulates them. You know, th this, this Roe versus Wade decision was outrageous when it happened. Um, this far left court um, from the 1960s that began moving in this direction uh, and then into the 70s just to pretend that the right to abortion is somehow in the Constitution, you know, that, they, that there's this enumera of rights that emanates, you know, from, you know, just the creativity of the justices to try to claim uh, that there is a right to um, kill um, innocent babies is unbelievable. But this is what the left does, is they take the Constitution, they, they hate the Constitution, and what they do is they try to take it and change the meaning of it and manipulate the meaning of it, and then somehow claimed here for a few decades that they're the rightful bearers of what the meaning of the Constitution was. It was outrageous when it happened. I'm so thankful that, you know, and, and again, you see, you know, elections have consequences. Elections matter. President Trump putting some justices on the court that were willing to say, I don't care how long this has been in place. It's wrong. You know, pre precedent, you know, and that's the other thing that just shocks me. I'm sorry, you've kind of got me on a rant here already. No, keep, keep go. But, you know, uh, I thought it was was brilliant that they pushed back um, about, you know, this idea of court precedent is, is an outrageous one, too. So are you telling me that because Plessy versus Ferguson said separate but equal, the court could never overturn it later with Brown versus Board because precedent? Hey, I mean, you know, we can't. So Dred Scott versus Sanford. 
So, I mean, it's precedent. So, so we can't do anything. I mean, that was an outrageous argument that the left had just held on to about, well, we've got to protect, you know, precedent is sacrosanct. We've had yeah, some. Sorry to size us. Yes, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. We've had some awful court rulings throughout our history, and it should be up to the justices to interpret the Constitution as it was written, as it was intended, not this whole notion of, oh, well, well, now actually, you know, we, we see it differently and we're going to apply it differently. And once we do that, now you can't change it because it's precedent. That was always outrageous. So I, I am just incredibly thankful today for the court to finally right this wrong that has cost uh, uh, thousands of lives. Well, thank you for your thoughts on that. I think I think you're right on with the notion that, um, first of all, critical, just, just to give everybody a background, I want to make a quick connection here. Critical race theory stemmed from critical legal studies. Critical legal studies, all law is language. And, and language, if you abuse language and you manipulate the meanings of words, um, it's very easy to then write new laws without ever writing another word. And that's kind of what I believe I, I can make the postmodern connection between Roe versus Wade being the first postmodern influenced uh, Supreme Court ruling. And you see this, you see kind of the same thing with uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, specifically, the word inclusion and the doctrine of inclusion means explicitly uh, according to the Black's Law Dictionary, to exclude. It, it limits, it does not expand. Um, and that gets us in to uh, the next portion of what, what I want to talk to you about, Ryan. Um, you, you have been involved just recently with some events in Tulsa. And I, I think you have some news for us about that and what might be happening in Tulsa. What, what do you have to tell us? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you give you the audience. I know you've got a, a broad audience out there, so to make sure they have the context, and then, then we're gonna. I've got an announcement to make for today. And you know, mm-hmm. the first is you know Tulsa Public Schools elected a great board member here. Her name's Alina Ashley. Um, she is an African American woman who has been dedicated to the the position of. We need to emphasize academics over indoctrination. We need to weed out any kind of indoctrination in our schools that has led to an ac- a lack of academic performance in our schools. And she has just been been a rock star on this. Well, she posts, you know, on social media that uh, she wants her uh, she wants Oklahoma schools and American education actually to focus more on academics rather than indoctrination. And you know, the left loses their mind. Um, they call for her to step down. They say that if she's not willing to take a diversity, equity, and inclusion class, that she should resign. And I, and I want you to think about just the audacity of demanding this incredible new board member. Who is, who is shining a light on academics. We, we want to focus on academics and just the outrage that how dare she call out the indoctrination in those schools. So I wrote a letter to the school board and said, absolutely not. You, you do not target her, but, but no, none of you need to be doing this diversity, equity, and inclusion training to your point, Mark. It, it, it is, they use these words, but the meanings and the way they use the words isn't what it sounds like. And again, it is a pure indoctrination that they're trying to force. So we had a great school board meeting this past week where we had, you know, so many folks show up from the community, parents, grandparents, um, community leaders that came to the board meeting. We all had American flags. We were wearing a red, white, and blue to show her support while we had this far left-wing mob that came in there and and they took up all the speaking spots and, uh, you know, blasted them and said that there needs to be more of a focus on on these type of of programs. And then, and the announcement is yesterday at the State Board of Education meeting, it was announced that we found a, a school district 
uh, that has violated HB 1775, which in our state, it is, it is more or less a ban on what we call critical race theory concepts, right? So we try to, we try to broaden it out so that it's not just critical race theory, but it's anything that tells students they are or aren't something based on the color of their skin, any type of singling out because of, of race, gender, ethnicity. So that way, again, we know how they use the changing of words. We, 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 well, guess what? A district has violated that with training they forced on their staff. And shockingly enough, it is Tulsa Public Schools. Tulsa Public Schools is the first district that has openly, that we have confirmed, has violated our ban on critical race theory. And so I am announcing today, I'm asking the Attorney General of the state of Oklahoma to do a full-scale investigation of Tulsa Public Schools to find how many violations that have occurred, what are they pushing in their, in their district, and why are they continuing to push indoctrination when it's against state law to have these type of programs in our school? We're not going to allow it. We are absolutely not going to allow it. And it's not a coincidence, Mark, that the one of the lowest performing school districts in the state is the one that we have found has been pushing critical race theory in their school. It is absolutely not a coincidence. That That is a great point, because I think what people need to understand about this ideology, and I, I First, first, let me ask this. Um, can you give us a, any details about the violation, or is that uh, something that hasn't come out yet? Oh, no, I, I absolutely. I, I, can, I can give you a, a little bit about it. So there, there, mm-hmm. were, there was a staff training that, that was required, and it was called Changing the Discourse. It was offered by the National Equity Project. Um, and in that study, they did, um, they informed staff, and I'm going to kind of read you some of the, some of the citations here, mm-hmm. just to make sure I get it right. But, but they said that they should incorporate social justice material in all subjects taught in the school. And here's a direct quote that in science classes, they needed to be studying environmental racism, what effects it had on the local and national international levels and quote, the misogyny and racism in STEM fields and how to counter it. So th- this is, I mean, they, they are telling their teachers to go into science classes, STEM classes, which again, we have primary, we have a large emphasis in our early grade levels of STEM classes and talk to them about the, the, the racism and misogyny embedded in STEM and science. I mean, and, and you know, in the study of mathematics, it's, it's just absolutely, and this is where Mark, you and I talked about this before, we'd found a textbook where there was a, a grade school problem and in math that said, um, you know, white people are exponentially more likely to be racist. Um, and so do this math problem. But but I mean, that was presented as fact to second graders yeah. um, that, that just so you know, if you're white, you're exponentially more likely to be racist. Now do the math problem for us. There's absolutely no place for that. Well, and uh, going to the point I was going to make this because this is a perfect example is that when we especially you're talking about STEM, STEM is, uh, you know, everything stems from STEM. Uh, when it comes to engineering, medicine, uh, the the hard sciences of any type, especially, you know, if you water down the content with an ideology is when it actually becomes dangerous, right? And this is a perfect example of that, that people, and here's, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a minute, because I know what's going to come at you and at me for for making this well why don't you want to stop racism why don't you want to stop racism uh, you know ryan well first of all they don't define it do they 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 just say systemic racism environmental racism they just assert that it's there without any breakdown which is anti-stem to begin with right because it's stem is all about the details and the devil is in the details um so i am really encouraged to see that 
7075 is being utilized um, and that the rules are being utilized, especially in in a place like Tulsa, where it is so important, where we have so many students. It's one of the the biggest district, or if not the second biggest, one of the two um, in the state. And it's subsidiaries going out all the way even into Bartlesville and, and place like that um, service a lot of students. And this injection of DEI is a, is a huge problem. So um, this goes into, you had a conversation with, I think her name was Gist, right? Uh, and, and that whole area. Can you dive into that for us a little bit in connection with this? Sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, I will say the Tulsa Public School Superintendent has been very clear. She wants to emphasize all of these type of concepts in her school. She is very focused on transgender education. She is very focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, she has pushed this out repeatedly. She's talked about it in the board meeting. Her and I had a, had a brief conversation uh, before the board meeting. And again, my emphasis to her privately has been the same as this publicly. I, I, wanna, I wanna focus on academic success. That is your way of empowering young people. And, and they cloak it in all this. This is what's good for young people. No, no, no. What, what's good for young people is to have knowledge. Knowledge is what opens doors. Not, not you know, this, this ideology that honestly, and, and here's the, one of the underlying truths of all of this too, is, is you're creating young people that believe themselves to be victims and oppressed and I'm going to tell you, you know, as my background is, you know, I'm, I'm a public school teacher. That's that's my background as, as a teacher. There's nothing, and we know this as parents, grandparents, you know, people, you know, this isn't a difficult concept to understand. But when you put low expectations on kids, that's the level of expectations they'll meet. And when you dig into the deeper, you know, and I know that you've done that a lot on your podcast, but when you dig into deeper of what they're telling students, through DEI, through uh, diversity, equity, and, uh, and inclusion, critical race theory, and these concepts are, hold on, we're going to explain to you why you're a victim and why the world is keeping you down. And what it does is it creates in young people built-in excuses for, I mean, first of all, you're angry at the world around you, right? You, you, you grow up just mad. And second of all, and, and mad at each other. I mean, it creates division. Um, and I've got some stories to tell you about that that I've heard from parents all over the state as well. But then secondly, you've created in them the concept of, well, I mean, I, I mean, what am I even trying for? You know, you know, what, what am I going to work hard at at life if, 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 if everything's stacked against me? And if America is a bad, racist, evil place and my neighbors are bad, racist, evil people, well, what am, you know, what, how do I win this game? And, and it becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy for young people that instead of developing work ethic and drive and setting goals and really pushing themselves to get the most out of their God-given potential, instead they dig into this way of thinking that is incredibly detrimental in their lives, and it's not going to lead to living a happy and fulfilled life. Well, and that's a great point because it's almost as if you know, you can talk about SEL and how that's a delivery mechanism in many cases because you have t teachers jumping in and practicing practicing psychology without a license in many cases, but they're being trained to do it towards the direction that you just uh, spoke about. And so, in a way, they're 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 causing the problem and then selling a solution to fix with more causing of the problem. And that's that's what is really difficult. Uh, to get people to understand sometimes because the words diversity, equity, and inclusion all sound really good. And if you take them as we all want to take them when we first encounter them, they are. 
but they do they are not practiced that way. So getting into that, you said you had some examples of some of the things you've seen across the state. Um, should, how is DEI being practiced? And I want to caveat this. The whole gender ideology thing is mixed into this. This isn't just a race thing. This is how you can understand that this, I call it Marxist identitarianism, because the goal is to pit people against each other, right? It is, it, it is to um, cause division in order to gain power for a certain ideology. And that includes queer theory, which is the whole gender issue as well. Um, and I know you've dove in a little bit to some issues in Stillwater, but you're the Secretary of Education for the state of Oklahoma. In that role, I see you, and this is what I've seen from you, a bit as an advocate, right? Uh, for uh, not, not just the governor's agenda when it comes to education, but for students. So. What have you been seeing across the state when it comes to these kind of dangerous ideologies? Can you give us some examples? Absolutely. And, you know, and that's the way I've always viewed my role is that, you know, I'm here to advocate on the 700,000 plus Oklahoma students. And honestly, the best way, and it's a core principle of mine, the best way to do that is, is by listening to their parents. Their parents know their kids. The parents are going to have this level of engagement that, that, that no one else will. I mean, again, I've got four little ones at home. There's no one who understands my kids better or, or, or love my kids more than, than me and my wife. I mean, you know, we're very engaged in their education. And, and I began, you know, a couple of years ago, getting a lot of calls and emails from parents that were concerned. And so I started meeting with them and having these conversations. And, and it really focused uh, around, um, you know, where our kids are being told things that, that, that we just think are inappropriate. And I'll give you an example, um, you know, up here in, in the Oklahoma City area, where I had a parent and, and they're they've adopted multiple kids of multiple races. And they came to me and said, listen, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not a super conservative person, but um, something happened that really concerned me about a lot of the things you've been talking about. So, okay, well, tell me, well, well, you know, they're black son came home and 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 their white son and their white son was saying well, wh well why is uh why are we bad people and he said well, what do you mean why are we what do you mean why are we bad people well why do we hate so and so and he said we don't we don't hate so what are you talking about we love him you know he's one of you know one of the family well no well, today in class we learned that you know i mean white people have always been abusive and um targeted black people and that that's that's just the way that it is that it's built in and we have to try to overcome that. And I mean, this guy goes, look, it's causing dissension in my home. I mean, you know, you talk about the broader societal aspects of if your kids believe that, what that means. I had an example yesterday, I was in Tulsa and I had a parent tell me that, that her daughter came home telling her that one of her friends keeps saying, well, I mean, well, you're racist because, because you're white. And that's why, you know, you don't help me on things and school and things like this. And her mom was going, where did this come from? And she said, well, we've been talking about it in class. And I mean, you just see how quickly when you're talking about very young and impressionable minds, when you start injecting this ideology into them, how quickly that devolves. And again, you use Stillwater as an example. And again, talking about how quickly the, 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 the woke mob just shifts and dictates policy. In Stillwater, we literally, I mean, we had a scenario where a school board said their official policy was you use the bathroom of, of, of whatever you want, whatever you think your gender is that day. And I started getting calls and emails and texts from parents. And I start calling folks over there and going, okay, well, you know, I'll come over and meet with some of these folks. And they're telling me, we've got daughters. This isn't, you know, the junior high school over there. They're going to school every day. They're not using the restroom. 
Um, they were confronted by multiple boys in the bathroom, made them incredibly uncomfortable. And so now they're having physical problems uh, because they can't go to the bathroom from seven to four. And and the parents are going, what what is going on here? I mean, we can't have, you know, a boy's bathroom, a girl's bathroom. And hey, there can be some private bathroom or accommodation. No, that was not enough. No, 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 no. You can't tell these kids what their gender is. So if that boy wants to walk in the girl's bathroom, you we're going to let him do it. It, it, it would, I mean, you just see how, I mean, this is Oklahoma. So, you know, I wrote him a letter and said, I guess you didn't pay attention to biology class. This isn't tough. This isn't rocket science. This is really common sense. No, you, you boys, the boys bathroom is for boys only. The girls bathroom is for girls only period. That, that's it. And I, it took multiple board meetings. It took hundreds of parents showing up, writing letters, calling this board before they reversed their, the attorney general had to get involved um, before we finally had them push, you know, change their decision. But this is how quickly, and again, we are a very conservative state. And, and I'll tell you something else that we've got going for us here in Oklahoma. And you and I have had several discussions about this as well. Luckily for us, we still have a lot of good conservative teachers out there, because I'll tell you the way I found out about a training that was inappropriate in Bigsby public schools, the way I found out about a training that was inappropriate in other public school districts across the state was because teachers sent me the information because teachers said, Hey, I came here to teach math. And they're making me go to this train. So luckily, we still have a lot of teachers. And again, a lot of this gets pushed down from a superintendent that is going woke. A lot of this is, you know, and again, you know, they, they're trying to appease their liberal friends. So, hey, look what we're doing over here now. And we're doing this. But, you know, teachers are getting caught up in the middle of this, too. And thank goodness we've got some good teachers here in the state um, that, that have raised alarm bells and, and said, hey, look. And again, we talk about why teachers don't want to be in the profession. You know, most teachers, at least in a conservative state like Oklahoma, they want to go help kids. You know, they want to help kids achieve their potential. Well, you start turning them into, well, you need to tell the kids this. You need to tell the kids that. We're going to send you this training where you can talk to kids about their sexual orientation in, in, in kindergarten and first grade. And good people, good teachers are going, well, that's not what I got into this for. Uh, yeah. And so that continues to be, I think, a, a driver uh, in the state is luckily these teachers are speaking out about it. Yeah. Well, and I, I think Something that needs to be highlighted here, and, and I'm going to keep putting this bug in your crawl, is, is what's happening in the universities, and especially the colleges of education, and uh, teachers learning this from the top down starts with the universities, and also with your professional development that's got, coming from the universities, and the University of Oklahoma has, a, has an issue with this, um, and I'm going to tell my audience, just like I tell you often, and he does hear from me, that, you know, the governor needs to look at that and needs to um, address that with his board of regents and his president of his university. And I hope that we see some of that from the uh, administration more directly, uh, because you're right, we do have good conservative teachers. And uh, still in Oklahoma, then they have, I think that is still the majority. But when you have when you have teachers coming from a place that mandates this be taught as a part of their education in college, you're, you're actually building in the systemic racism that they are trying to say, you know, is already there. Would you agree with that? Yes. And you've been a great voice on this, Mark, because I, I think that you've hit the nail on the head here, because here's what happens is, is you push anyone who wants to be a teacher through a college of education. Now, we, we have alternative pathways here, um, but still, most teachers are going through these these traditional pathways. And what happens is, is you get in front of these professors. And again, you know, you're if you put yourself in their shoes, you're 19, 20, you're, you know, hey, you want to be a good teacher and you're listening. You're going, well, I mean, I, I don't know. This doesn't really seem right. But you get it every year. 
you get it from folks who you assume um, you know, are, are, are teaching you the best way to be a teacher. And, and I'll be honest with you, here's the reality. A lot of these professors, they've never taught. They've yeah. never taught in a K-12 classroom. So, so they went and got a PhD and, and they've, they've studied every, you know, theoretical, you know, and as, and as we've seen, higher ed is moving further and further left. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so they, they've attended all those classes and they've got all this. Now, they've never stepped foot in a classroom with a, with a 14-year-old, a you know, 15-year-old. They've never done that. But they come in and they, and they, and they set things up. And, it, and, if, and when they have this liberal spin to it and they start emphasizing this, you have folks that, that, that start, you know, believing, believing it and going, you know, I guess I do need to address this. You know, I, I guess if I really want to be a good teacher, I need to include this. And, and, and that's where things get off track so, so fast. And so I, I, I agree with you. And, and, uh, and I think we have to do more. I think we have to be aggressive and ensure that our colleges are not putting out um, liberal ideology in the name of quote education or teacher trainings. And to your point, they provide a lot of professional development post um, their, their degree program. So we have to get diversity, equity, and inclusion. We have to get the critical race theory concepts out of our higher ed institutions. And, and, and you know, we had a bill passed last year that is digging into the free speech issue in, in our universities and colleges. And there is a going to be a group that's going to do a deeper dive into that. And, and I'm very interested in pulling these things out. And again, I think, uh, thank you a lot. And I think uh, the, the college students that have been sending me materials, it gives me a great opportunity to go to the colleges and universities and go, what's this? You know, what, what, why are we doing this here? Why are we doing that there? And so I think we have to continue to push on that because to your point, if we funnel, you know, most of the personnel that wants to be a teacher, if we push them into a um, far left woke training, well, what do we think we're going to get? I mean, at the end yeah. of the day, what are our schools going to look? You know, I mean, that's that's part of the issue that we have to address. And can I say one one more thing about that? I hear from teachers all the time, and this isn't you know left, right, anything that they say. You know, I, I wish I would have had a more practical training when I was in my college of education. They talked really high level. They talked about all these ideas and theories, but you know what they didn't do? So what happens when Jimmy? doesn't understand this math equation and is getting frustrated with it. What happens when Jimmy is a behavior problem in the classroom? What happens when you have a student with ADHD that, I mean, all these, hey, give me practical nuggets and -hmm. best practices of how do I actually become a truly effective teacher in the classroom? But, but to your point, if, if they, if these college professors view themselves as some ideological weapon or tool to, you know, indoctrinate teachers and make sure that teachers are focusing on social justice instead of how you best, I mean, again, my background is as a history teacher. What I spent all my time on is, you know, most of my time on was how do I develop the lesson plan for today to teach kids really difficult concepts? You know, how do I explain to them the economics behind the Great Depression, right? Mm -hmm. How do I explain to them you know, how the World War II started, the different causes and effects. That was what I spent my focus on is how do you teach difficult concepts to a broader range of learners so that they take away the lessons that will help help them post post high school. And yeah. that's where the focus needs to be, not on all this other stuff. Well, and I think it's important to understand that, you know, DEI is not just a ideology, it's an office and it's administrative. Um, and so it's not just the teachers that come out of here, but teachers will do what they're required to do by the bosses. And when your bosses are named DEI officers, CRT and DEI are the same. The, the uh, queer theory and DEI, all DEI offices are, are divisions of ideological enforcement. 
And that's their whole goal. That's the only reason they exist. And so I think that people understanding that and not divorcing the ideology from the praxis, which is, you know, we all know that word as teachers, the praxis is very important. So I hope that uh, the state continues going along the lines of doing more to identify. And it's not a free speech issue because this, I want to make this point, removing DEI as a, as a structure is not a free speech issue because there, uh, you're talking about the universities here, especially if their only goal is to limit academic freedom because they mandate a certain things be taught. So I just want to make that point. And that's university and K through 12. And it's it, it can be very sticky and they, they try to get you into the trap. I want to, I want to ask you a question. Um, there, there's one thing that has concerned me, and this is not something uh, I just want to give you an opportunity to address. It. Uh, you're, you're as, as the secretary of education, you're the head of uh, OEQA, right? Yep. And I've had a I've had a few people come to me and say, hey, you know, as as the head of that organization, the committee, OEQA, um, recommended in Middale School District that a DEI officer be hired at the administrative level. And I'm not going to cast aspersions. I'm going to give you an opportunity because you're the head of that committee, right? Yeah which ultimately makes you in charge of it. So, and in charge of what goes into it. So I just want to, because there seems to be a bit of a contradiction there. This was in July of 2021, I believe, or around then. Um, I wanted to give you the opportunity to address that uh, for, for my audience and for everybody out there. Uh, what, what, what happened there? Absolutely. So I am the chairman of the board that oversees that, and there is an executive director that answers to me. Uh, the executive director that oversaw that and made that recommendation is no longer there. And uh, that, uh, that absolutely um, is in the uh, context of, of what was going on over there. So yeah, he, he is uh, no longer there. That will not never happen there again. Uh, that's outrageous. It is beyond the pale that that would ever happen. And so uh, yes, sir, there, it is now under new leadership and uh, that, that will never happen again. Okay. Well, and like I said, I'm not, it, Honestly, it's just something that came about, and I I don't, first of all, I, I just want to say that that all of this is a process, especially this is designed to be very uh, confusing, and, and there's not a way that I think everybody can be perfect on every single little thing, but as you want to be a state superintendent, mm-hmm. in that role, you're going to have a lot of... Uh, supervisory it's actually going to expand for you right and in light of the question that i just brought up how are you as state superintendent if you win that job going to manage the many many arms of the committees and and all the things that are going to now be under your purview to prevent something like that from happening again and and maybe going by without you seeing it does that make sense yeah. Oh, it's a great question. Great question. And here's what here's what I'm going to do from day one. First of all, uh, we have called for an audit of SDE, but I will continue to do an internal audit of every dollar, where it goes. I want to see where everything is going there in that system. That includes personnel, what is assigned to personnel, who their what their responsibility is, who they answer to, what's their job responsibilities. And it's shocking, uh, but we have a liberal Democrat running our Department of Education right now, and it's been very hard to get information from her. It's been very hard to see how that op- that agency functions. And so I want to do a deep dive into that, first of all. Second of all, I want to audit and look into every single 
single decision program dictate policy that's gone on there? And I'm going to ask three questions. The first question is going to be, is this a program that is beneficial to kids in their academics to move them on to a career pathway or, or, or to the next path, whether it's college career readiness, what, or whatnot? So is there an academic um, quality there to it? The second one is, is it a transparent? Can everyone see what, what, what this decision is, what this policy is, what this program is? Is it very open to parents where parents can dig in and see it immediately and understand it? You know, that was my big issue you know, years ago. The feds are always real consistent with this, whether it's Common Core or the new stuff. Common Core was meant to put parents in position of you couldn't really understand what your kids were learning. It was completely different. So it made this kids rely more on the government uh, uh, dictates there to schools rather than just your traditional learning so but but they did it with common core that they like to do this where it's a very sneaky way of well this is the new thing your parents won't get it but it needs to be very transparent and the last one is to ensure that every program every personnel uh, uh there there's no liberal ideology there is no left-wing push that there is absolutely none of that and that means that means policy that means program that means dollars uh, whatever the program may be and i think that has to be day one that's the deep dive that I'm going to do to ensure because, hey, you know, uh, Reagan, Reagan and uh, oh, my goodness, I'm drawing a blank. But, you know, he, he kind of stole it from I think it was from Tip O'Neill. But but uh, personnel is policy. Yeah. You know, if you have a bunch of uh, far leftists, they are going to continue to push that. And, and yeah. you know, and that's the issue of where you've got to be willing to come into with personnel and take a look and say, listen, you know, we want folks that are advancing kids that are advancing high quality academics here. And there's not going to be any ideology pushed here at this department, period, end of discussion, no program, no, no policy, no personnel that's going to be doing that. And so I think that deep dive has to happen immediately. And I will be doing that from day one. That's good to hear, because I think there, that the, the swamp is thick. Right. And and like you said, there's been a, uh, I think, about a 20, 30, 40 year push throughout education, beginning in ways with with the kind of the, the apparatus that that went into No Child Left Behind, which I think had a good goal, but kind of nationalized things. And then Common Core really muddied the water and, and a race to the top really muddied the water. And that is difficult to deal with for parents who don't understand all of the minutiae behind it. But I want people to understand that what Ryan is addressing here in a lot of the things he's saying, and I, he mentioned this earlier, is that this ideology and the way that this is being injected into the bureaucracy and the and the administration level is being fed to teachers and it's designed to remove kids from their parents. You know, it plays upon, we've all, you know, uh, don't trust anybody over 30 was the thing in the 60s. And, you know, uh, you know, parents just don't understand was the 90s. Well, now it's, you know, I'm non-binary. You don't get me. I'm out. Like, <laughs> and that's what they try to push a little bit on kids. Not a little bit, but a lot of bit, uh, whether it's uh, the racial issue or it's the identity issue. And teachers have to understand, and I think Ryan has addressed this before, that, yes, your administrators require you to do things. And I think that means we need to go after the administrators, whether that's at the college level or the, or the uh, uh, K through 12 level. But they, the teachers have to stand up too. And it, this is not an attack on teachers. We're all teachers. I'm a teacher. You're a teacher. Uh, this is, you got to stand up and be strong. Um, so Ryan, I want to give you, I know you have to go. You're very busy, man. You're out on the campaign trail. You're fighting the good fight. I do appreciate your work, but I want to give you uh, the last few minutes here. As long as you want, I think you've got about, you know, seven or eight minutes. 
why do you want to be the state superintendent of public education for Oklahoma? And what do you think that you can offer that nobody else in the field can offer? Well, I, you know, I've appreciated the time. I've appreciated your work. Again, you've been someone who has shined a light on so much of what's been going on in our education system in the state. So I want to thank you for the time. and I want to thank you for your work. And, and, you know, for me, from my perspective, what I see is I see Oklahoma that has real potential in education. I, I think we're the best state in the country. I, I love Oklahoma. I love the people of Oklahoma. And we have tight-knit communities that want a better education system. We can be the state that gets all rid of all of this liberal ideology, all the woke ideology out of our schools and place the emphasis on core academics, the basic academics. We can be the state that uh, that supports our teachers, that empowers families with, 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 with all options available, with the ability to see what's going on in their kids' education. And again, you know, for me, when I think of what what a, you know, a, a premier education looks like. I think about parents, grandparents sitting at the dinner table with their kids talking about what's going on in school, full transparency, very much brought into the school to see what's going on, to be able to work together in that sense, and to understand how this education is preparing their kids for a meaningful life, uh, to get the most out of the kids' talents, to see those pathways. And, you know, this is another, another point that we we didn't really get into, but you know, I've got, I, I have got a major problem with pushing all kids to college. College isn't for all kids. Uh, you know, one of my students came up to me before he graduated and he, he apologized to me and said, Hey, you know, I'm sorry, uh, coach Walters, I'm not going to college. I'm going to go be a welder. This kid is an incredible welder. He goes around the country. He's an underwater welder, uh, goes around the, with the world, gets to do this underwater welding, zero college debt, great career path. He's apologizing to me because college was pushed on him. Like if you don't go to college, you're not a success. Well, kids need to know that's not the only pathway. Okay. You, you know, we need to figure out what's best for you. I think we can unlock that. I think we can push back on the far left. I know we can, we can push back on the far left. We can drive decision-making down to the parent level. We can have full transparency in our schools and, and, and we're going to attract more teachers that way, by the way, when teachers see that, listen, here's the resources to be successful minus ideology. We want you to help drive home the basics and we want to support you in doing that. We've got core family groups here that are able to do that. And I'm going to tell you, I want to wean us off the federal government. You know, I, I was on a Glenn Beck show a couple of days ago talking to him about this, but the Fed shouldn't be involved in education, period. That so much of the problems we just talked about today are problems that the feds have forced on the states. We can, and I will, audit every dollar, look at every program, and find ways to wean us off of the federal overreach so that we as Oklahomans will fully be in control of our education system, and we'll determine what our schools look like. We'll determine what the standards look like. We're not going to have a Biden administration or a far-left woke Secretary of Education at the national level decide that tomorrow, well, I'm going to actually pull this string here and do... No, we need to forever be rid of that type of influence. And I think we can absolutely do that with a weaning process to get us off of all the federal money so that, again, we are in full control of being manipulated by the feds and Oklahomans can produce the schools that we want. And I'm going to tell you, I, I, I believe in Oklahomans. I believe in the parents around the state. I believe we can absolutely have the best education possible for our kids in the country. Well, I'll say this. We were number one in education till 1979 when the Department of Education was uh, 
put in by Mr. Carter. And uh, I wish Reagan would have knocked it out of there, but you know, and nobody's perfect, not even old Ronnie. And so um, go ahead. <laughs> and you know, it's funny, you know, it's funny you say that, you know, because, you know, Reagan in 81 gives a speech of like, you know, we should go ahead and get rid of this agency. And, and, and they obviously didn't do it. But right off the bat, he's going, they're doing what? You know, what's yeah. going on? What they're already, no, we already need to stop this thing, you know? And so it's funny how quickly, and to your point, once the Fed start getting into it, it, it is just dictate after dictate. And, and the other thing about when we audit the department, you're going to see, you know, everyone's going to see, and we're going to make this very available for Oklahomans. Everyone's going to see that, hey, yeah, you get a little bit of money. And then guess what? They require you to teach this. They require you to do that. And then guess what? They require you hire all these people. These are folks that could be helping people. Um, instead of, you know, we're hiring them to facilitate a federal program that's always pushing all these different ideologies. So, uh, I mean, as we continue to move forward, we can be the state that says, look, feds, we don't need you. Uh, thanks, but no thanks. And, and frankly, we don't need a federal department of education, period. So yeah. we can be a state that helps lead the way and say, look, we don't need them. And then as other states begin to do that, we can get rid of this influence forever. Well, education is local, and it starts with the parents. And I think the the more that we can keep it that way, the 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 better off we will be. And we could return to number one in education in the world, and and in Oklahoma, number one in the country. Why not? I mean, that's that's Amen. the goal. Um, Ryan, I, I I will say this too about Ryan. Ryan has been the most outspoken uh, person. Uh, in public life that I've seen in the state uh, on on the issues that we talk about here on this podcast. He has been, uh, he's taken a lot of slings and arrows because of that, that, that public stance. And that is a level of courage that should be noted when you go to the, the office uh, to, to make your vote on this. And I think that we need to have more officials in this state, and I'm just going to talk about Oklahoma, I would like to see it across the country, but we need more Republican officials in this state that are willing to come out and do that. Um, I think that if we don't have that soon, we're going to be in trouble. <laughs> so I, I call on every single Republican, right-leaning, um, just liberty, education-loving politician in the state of Oklahoma to follow that line because Ryan has done that and I have enjoyed your uh, videos in the car. I think that is uh, that is going to be a trope for the your rest of your public life. Don't lose that. Uh, it's it's nice to see because you get to talk straight to the people, and that's good. And Ryan, thank you for taking the time to be here and answering our questions and uh, fighting the good fight for education and Oklahoma students. We really appreciate it. I appreciate your work. Please keep fighting. I appreciate all, all your help and you shining a light on all, all this woke ideology in our schools. We're going to get it out. And I, I want us to be a leader in education. I know we can do it. So I really appreciate your work. Thanks, Ryan. Go out and you know hit that trail. We'll see you later. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Right. See ya.